Today we're discussing hydrogen powered transport with Cedric, Dominico and Simon. Cedric is Director of Product Management, Dominico is Director of Business Development and Simon is Key Account Manager, all within the clean energy business segment of Nova Fuel and Solutions. With extensive experience in the fuel retail and convenience industry, Cedric, Dominico and Simon bring a wealth of knowledge to alternative fuel technologies such as hydrogen, LNG, CNG and LPG. Listen as we examine the hype surrounding hydrogen-powered transport, the potential for H2 passenger cars, industry infrastructure and investment considerations. Hi, thank you for joining us today. How are you all? Good, thanks. Well. Good. And are you ready to discuss all things related to hydrogen-powered transport? Yes, super excited. Yes, we here we are. As always. Great. Let's get started. First of all, let's start with the basics. Cedric, can you tell us about hydrogen, what it is and why it's important, an important part of the decarbonized energy mix? Yeah, sure. So uh, hydrogen is the, uh, the most common uh, molecule in the universe. So everybody knows that, or at least many people. And uh, H2 uh, is uh, for mobility is uh, also known since uh, several uh, several decades since long time but uh, with the importance of a decarbonization actually um, it's it's a strong advantage to to work with uh, with hydrogen because it is having uh, zero emission uh, at the exhaust pipe of the uh, vehicles once it is mixed with the air within the, the fuel cells uh, and, and then producing the electricity for the uh, for the vehicles to move so yeah this is very important uh, uh, element for or segment for the uh, for this decarbonization in energy mix. Perfect. And as you mentioned there, it's it's becoming more widely popular. Can you tell us, is it already being used as a fuel? And then who's using it and where? Where is it more popular for particular segments within the industry? Yes, it's already uh, in the recent years, uh, the, the, the hydrogen has been used, the green hydrogen application is increasing, it's mainly for applications of uh, fleet, uh, fleets, so heavy duty trucks, so heavy duty vehicles, and uh, we are start to see this uh, growing as uh, stations, not only started uh, in Asia, but also now in Europe, uh, there is a high growth and demand for this application. So it's definitely growing. And we can say that the main uh, users will be mostly fleet uh, operators, could be private or public, and also some light duty vehicles uh, applications as well. So we know there are different types of hydrogen, for instance, blue and green. Uh, Domenico, would you be able to kind of give us more insight on what the difference is between the two? Uh, yes, concerning the origin, uh, the, the hydrogen is divided in different colors depending on the origin and the source uh, of uh, this uh, hydrogen. So it could be from uh, different uh, methane and gas applications, uh, uh, natural gas applications. So you can have colors, uh, uh, different, let's say, colors. The one that we're really concentrating uh, for the future application in mobility is the green. Uh, hydrogen that comes from uh, renewable uh, uh, resources. So normally uh, you will have uh, water, wind, uh, uh, solar, let's say, uh, sourcing that generates the electricity and that electricity is the one that then 
will generate the green hydrogen. So in this main, in this moment, we're focusing on that uh, and all the directives, all the incentives and programs uh, to promote the application of mobility uh, are aimed at green hydrogen. Interesting. And earlier this year, the European Union reached an agreement for the de sorry, deployment of alternative fuels infrastructure. What exactly does this mean for the industry? Yeah, indeed, um, the discussion started a long time ago, and uh, we are glad to hear now or to see that it is uh, reaching, in a, uh, reaching a hand. Uh, it is uh, at least providing a, a minimum guideline for having a proper H2 uh, network uh, to be deployed across uh, across Europe, and this is going to support uh, strongly then the, uh, this mobility segment. So yeah, we are welcoming this uh, this uh, this regulation to be adopted. And Cedric Simon, can you tell us how this? will impact hydrogen ad adoption across Europe. So, yeah, let, then let me start and then uh, you can uh, you can add Simon that uh, indeed this is already a boost for the uh, for the hydrogen segment. However, uh, this is a start and and we will need much more to to make sure that uh, hydrogen can be deployed efficiently across uh, across the regions. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's a good start as I said. What I especially like about it is that it brings some alignment, so it brings some safety to the producers, um, to the station operators, that we see, okay, there will definitely be stations, there will definitely be consumers. This makes us confident to go further into this um, material. Uh, I would like to add to this note that uh, it's very important also the European and the government initiatives when because when you introduce a new source of energy a new application then definitely this part of the incentives is impro is important both uh, let's say financially but also uh, a push to find a regulation a framework a re a regulation that is common to everybody that is harmonized and, uh, and is a standard that everybody follows so it's, it's very important this uh, this European action and also government action, so in each country. Okay. Simon, can you go into a bit more detail about why hydrogen is being seen purely for commercial transport, such as long haul and heavy duty vehicles? Um, definitely both solutions are available. So we are able to fuel, um, to dispense hydrogen for passenger cars, as well as for heavy duty trucks, buses as well. Um, we see a shift, we can say hydrogen started as a fuel typically for, for passenger cars, for light duty vehicles. But now there's the interesting shift that we say the heavy duty transport will benefit hugely from hydrogen because it is the, the CO2 effective solution for the long haul. It um, reduces the fueling time, of course, so it should be as close as possible to conventional diesel fueling for the trucks concerning mm -hmm. the time. So you don't have to hang on the plug for a full night to get the next 800 kilometers of range for your truck. So that's why it's 
very interesting for heavy duty transport, but definitely there's also the option to fuel light duty vehicles. Okay. Um, what is needed to make hydrogen more accessible and considered a mainstream fuel for heavy duty and light uh, passenger vehicles? Well, for the complete setup, for the complete economy, in my opinion, there are three factors. First of all, we need the consumers. This would be the, the cars, the trucks, the buses. But then we also need the infrastructure, of course. So the fueling stations that the vehicles get the hydrogen. Yeah, and to make this all commercially interesting, it must be, there must be a business case, of course. So it must be economical. So definitely we need an alignment. This is happening quite well at the moment, so that the station builders, that the network operators, as well as the truck producers, the passenger car producers are aligned. Um, secondly, I think it's important to have technological development. This is also what we see happening at the moment uh, with fundings from the EU, with fundings also from other programs worldwide that really improve the efficiency of the fuel, uh, improve the efficiency of the complete consumption, and with this lowering the price of the hydrogen and making it interesting on a commercial level. Of course. Um, Domenico, I have a question for you. Um, what are the potential breaks to speeding up hydrogen use globally? Uh, well, there are some, uh, like uh, we were saying before, there are some challenges uh, to face uh, in the value chain. Uh, we start from the hydrogen, green hydrogen supply. So that's very important. At first, you need to create uh, an availability of the uh, raw material, so the green hydrogen. So that's one important challenge. In this moment, all the players and the operators and suppliers are moving into this first step because it's the essential step to generate the hydrogen. Then you have all the technology for the mobility applications, so all the sites and the stations, the hydrogen refueling stations, that technology is available, is safe, is field proven, so uh, that's there. And then another challenge is at the end of the value chain, and as we were saying before, is to have a business case uh, the off-takers, the fleet operators, private and public, that find beneficial to invest, to use the hydrogen for their transportation needs. And this must be economically feasible, profitable, and there must be the right business case. So these are delicate points that uh, uh, we need to consider. And also, of course, uh, uh, regulations are very important to make everything easier and more standard. So. This could be some challenges, let's say more than obstacles. I would say the challenge is to make the at the end of the value chain, the off-takers must have a, a business case to use uh, the hydrogen. Yeah, makes sense. And Domenico, when we talk about hydrogen and not often it's kind of mentioned in the industry that safety is a concern. So what can consumers expect when and if they refuel with a hydrogen vehicle? Is it safe? Uh, hydrogen has been around uh, in the industry uh, for many other applications. Uh, now we recently are talking about transportation and mobility applications, but has been around for many other applications uh, in other industries. Uh, there is already a well-known technology uh, that is available in the market. In particular, for the mobility application, 
definitely all the equipment and the technology is uh, field proven. Uh, you know that with the uh, hydrogen, you need to go to high pressures. So normally 350 bars up to 700 bars. So all the components, all the equipment are proof, are tested for high pressure, uh, let's say regulation and standards. All the equipment is mm -hmm. tested before delivery, is tested on the ground. And so far the experience uh, on the ground has been, uh, um, let's say positive, very safe. So I will say all the measures uh, for to guarantee the safety for the users are there going from the uh, fabrication manufacturing all the way to the final application on the sites on the stations so it's safe to say that someone transitioning from a conventional field car to a hydrogen field car there is no concern for safety it would be almost the same process just with slight tweaks Yes, I will say that there is no issues uh, already in the transportation sector. We have other applications, let's say similar, not exactly similar, but le let's say similar like uh, CNG, compressed natural gas is a high pressure application for mobility. Uh, we have liquefied natural gas is another application. These applications are already there and are in the market. So hydrogen is a newcomer but is safe and will have the same type of, uh, uh, let's say, uh, approach and conditions similar to this other alternative fuel. So there will not be a shock or major impact for the operators and users. Thank you. And is there a particular reason why some of these countries are, are leading the way over others, Cedric? Um, uh, there is not a direct straight answer. There is multiple uh, reasons, and I'm, I'm and I'm sure Domenico and Simon can also come on that. But we can talk about. Uh, and I can start with mainly uh, um, OEMs, vehicles OEMs. Uh, definitely, when I was talking about Japan, this was really pushed by. Uh, I, can, I would say Toyota, uh, Germany, we know that uh, it's, it's a country very known in terms of uh, uh, expertise around, around, um, around the mobility. So uh, definitely this is one of the reasons, but we have multiples, uh, multiple ones like politics, uh, environmental con constraints or requirements. Um, I don't know, Domenico, do you have other, other ones in mind? Yes, there are different reasons. Uh, it can be government government uh, incentives or programs related to the ambient uh, and uh, ecological, let's say, reasons, like we say. But then also another important aspect is uh, the experience that you have in uh, compression of gas. Uh, we're talking about high pressure compression. There are some countries uh, which uh, traditionally had been leading uh, historically the gas compression industry and technologies. For example, Italy, Germany uh, and uh, other countries uh, have that expertise. Uh, they are very familiar with that technology. So it's much easier to adopt uh, an energy like hydrogen also due to that reason. And one point I would like to add here, also worth to consider, uh, is the environmental awareness of some countries. In my opinion, there were some countries uh, who were earlier with recognizing um, the challenge of climate change, but mm. also then recognizing the, the economic opportunity of, of uh, energy transition and of the hydrogen economy. So this is also a reason 
while some countries were earlier in adopting alternative fuels and hydrogen as such. Okay, thank you. So is it possible to integrate hydrogen dispensers on existing forecourts or do they need to be separate from other fuels? Okay, it's possible to have hydrogen in the station together with other fuels or conventional fuels. So you can have a multi-fuel station combined with hydrogen, but you still always need to have the source of hydrogen present at the site. So you cannot, let's say, uh, retrofit uh, or, or uh, have hydrogen on the station if you don't have the source of hydrogen already uh, at the station. So um, let's say that the concept is to conceive the station of uh, hydrogen since the beginning for the application of hydrogen. So you need to have always that generation uh, of the hydrogen on the site, which could be tube trailers coming to the station, or also could be uh, electrolyzer uh, at the site uh, could be another source. So uh, the answer is, uh, is possible to have a multi-fuel station with hydrogen? Yes, it's possible, but you need to conceive the station since the start for hydrogen application because you need the hydrogen sourcing equipment and, and uh, layout. Okay, and I guess that kind of leads on to my following question is, that for fuel retailers looking to invest in hydrogen, what exactly they need to take into consideration? So whether that's infrastructure, space or investment, is there anything else or can you go so, into more detail about them? So yeah, good question. And um, indeed, today conventional fuels is, uh, is, is a commodity, uh, commodity market, commodity product. And uh, hydrogen is really at the beginning of its journey. So. We have to, to, to ha we have to have in mind that for hydrogen, the life cycle process is much longer. And sometimes it's not rare to, 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 to see several years before, between, sorry, the, uh, the, the, the first start, the first fault and the commissioning and grant opening for hydrogen. And this is going through different stages. So the design, the permit, uh, the supply chain and so on. So there is different challenges so far today because it's really not yet, uh, fully deployed. Um, it doesn't mean it is m more difficult, it is more complex compared to conventional fuels because there is an infrastructure which is slightly different. Uh, now we are talking about for bringing the hydrogen on the station, we are talking about the storages, uh, different ones, it could be gas or it could be liquid hydrogen, we are talking about compressors as well to reach uh, up to 1000 bar for storages. Uh, and then we are talking about chillers to, uh, to, to cool down the hydrogen depending on the capacity and the capability we want to have on these stations and the back-to-back -back feeling. Uh, and finally, you have the dispensers. So everything is, is, is a bit more complex, but not more difficult. Uh, and this is anyway going to, to drag more, to take more time to, to, to achieve. So everything has to be, to be well thought from the beginning. But yeah, it's uh, after that, I would say it's not rocket science. I would like also to add uh, to this uh, comment 
the fact that the operator of the station needs to always consider its own business case uh, and the final application and demand he will have in that station, which will be the off-takers, number of vehicles that will be coming to the station, type of vehicles, tank sizes, demand per day in kilos of hydrogen, back-to-back uh, -back fillings. So in his business case, besides the economical equipment, technology considerations that Cedric was uh, mentioning before, which uh, are of course very important, is also what is going to be the final business case, the peak demand, the application that he's going to have on that site. Exactly, exactly. And I could add on top of that indeed the, the price of, of a station can vary a lot depending on this capacity which is required, definitively. So if you mm. are asking 100 kilograms a day or several tons per day, this is having, uh, this is going to have a huge impact. Simon, Domenico mentions that it's easy, well, easier, not rocket science, for hydrogen to be included on the forecourt. Cedric reiterated that in the question previous, but is it easy for dispensers to integrate with existing forecourt systems, for example, payment and loyalty? This is exactly where our experience comes in. Uh, you know, Dover Fueling Solutions has been building dispensers, forecourt ecosystems, um, so everything that the stations needs for more than 100 years. Um, our customers are typically station network operators um, on a small level, on a medium level, but even on a multinational or global level. Um, so considering our, our existing customers, it was one of our focus points to make the, the hydrogen system easy integratable into the existing networks and the stations. So we really have a flawless integration with the standard communication protocols to the forecourt controller, to the point of sale systems, but also DX systems and the remote management of the station. So for our customers, of course, that's the best way to have one and the same system for the complete station, even for a complete station network where they can, can handle um, the traditional fuels, diesel, gasoline, CNG, but at the same time, the new alternative fuels, EV charging, LNG, or especially now hydrogen. So it was one of our focus points to make that, to have the easy integration into the existing systems. Great. And Domenico, can you tell us a bit more about what hydrogen products DFS currently offers? Yes, uh, like Simon was saying before, uh, we have uh, the possibility to offer a complete solution uh, and all the different applications that are needed in the uh, retail or uh, station, uh, finish station. Uh, our focus is uh, in hydrogen is mainly on the dispenser technology and the cooling system. These are uh, two uh, products where we have uh, the know-how, the technology, and experience, so definitely the, the, we can bring all the solutions regarding um, the, that application. But we are also very flexible because uh, with hydrogen, uh, many projects are also customized, project-driven, uh, so depends a lot also on the customer needs uh, and the final end-user uh, application. So we're also 
uh, able to provide a complete station solution, turnkey solution. So, and so other equipment mm -hmm. that integrates with the, our dispensers and our cooling system. So, for example, uh, after the offloading of the hydrogen, we can have the compression systems, the compression containers, we can have the storages, and then that combined with the, our uh, dispensers our cooling system and the remote monitoring SCADA system. So we can go from the complete package uh, if needed by the customer. Otherwise, we focus on our core technology, uh, which is basically the complete ecosystem that we offer in a, in a filling station. Thank you. And what makes the DFS hydrogen dispenser different from others available on the market? <laughs> very, very good question. So uh, DFS uh, is bringing uh, several centuries of experience within uh, conventional fuels and several decades within alternative energies uh, like LPG, like CNG, like LNG. Uh, and we also recently uh, acquired uh, or made an acquisition of, of, of an, um, on a company uh, expert in LNG and hydrogen to help us and developing uh, faster um, or uh, hydrogen solution. So we are bringing a, a, a strong experience, strong safety experience, and also within regulations which is really a motto for us. And I was talking about safe, safety earlier, you were asking me this. So this is really, really something on which we are sensitive. Uh, then also the, the solution we're bringing is a, a modern look uh, and also fitting perfectly within the ecosystem of the installations because we're using also a design well-known by your customer. So this is something that we consider that the customer or customers are willing to have. And with this also user interface, which can be chosen, uh, is also really bringing uh, hydrogen, uh, DFS hydrogen solution uh, in in this in, the, in fitting with the requirement of having something new versus conventional fuels. Uh, and and it was mentioned earlier by Simon regarding to um, four core system payment and so on. So clearly we have the possibility via DFS to bring this complete ecosystem. For, for the stations, and this is also where we are strong and we are, can bring a lot of expertise. And I guess the final question I, I wanted to address for all our panelists today is that, in your opinion, how do you see the demand for hydrogen progressing over the next five years? Uh, definitely, we see a high growth trend for uh, the application of hydrogen. This is uh, uh, this process started in the past two, three years, uh, mainly, for example, in Europe, which is uh, now in this moment the, the market that is focusing more on hydrogen. This trend will continue and will increase sharply uh, because uh, we have all the directives, incentives from the European Union, different governments. Each country is launching an incentive program uh, to fund this application. Uh, so really there is almost uh, now in Europe no country without an incentive program in this direction. And hydrogen is really uh, the, the main, uh, the one that is receiving the most attention in this moment together with other alternative fuels. So this trend will grow and I think will be a sharp grow. And as uh, we have other aspects of the value chain uh, improving, it will grow even faster. Uh, and I mean 
having once you have the green hydrogen supply available and really uh, expanded and you have the OEM vehicles, the fleet vehicles uh, available in the market uh, with a reasonable good uh, business case, that will be the turning point to even trigger a higher growth. That will be very important. So I see a high growth trend. The expectations are very high. And I think my colleagues can also add more to this to this topic. I can only agree here. Yeah, We see a growth at the moment already. We see that this is still being accelerated by huge investments, by regulations on a global scale, by funding programs, uh, examples we, we talked earlier in the EU, but also North America, in Australia. So really around the world, the, there are heavy investments. There is technological development. So this growth that we see at the moment will even be accelerated. So we do expect an exponential growth over the next five years. So I can only concur with what has been said by Domenico and Simon. Um, what is also helping or will help uh, hydrogen to grow in the next five years, but also beyond that, is that hydrogen is not only impacting uh, fuel retails, it's also uh, addressing other requirements uh, in, 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 in other industry type. So this is going to, 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 to help, uh, definitively. Now, for uh, mobility, what we need also to, to consider how the different uh, politics, governments are going to push as well uh, this, because this can come only with, uh, with incentive, because this is uh, a heavy investment. Uh, we can make a comparison as well to, uh, to BEV, so electric, uh, electrical cars. So far today, it, it's growing, definitively. We cannot deny that, but this is also with the help of the uh, of incentives so it, it 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 will it will be the same situation for hydrogen if uh, if we have these funds uh, also uh, it will come from oems and the development of a new technology uh, and how it's going to be stable in the next uh, in the next year so definitely hydrogen is growing uh, more to come uh, but it's just and it is we can see it is just at the beginning of this journey very exciting. We'll see what's to come. Thank yeah. you all for your time this afternoon. Thank you. Was nice talking you. to you. Thanks. Bye -bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hydrogen Powered Transport. We hope you enjoyed this episode with Cedric, Domenico and Simon. If you'd like to support the podcast, feel free to share it with others, post about it on social media or leave a review. To catch all the latest from Dover Fueling Solutions, you can follow us on LinkedIn or visit our website, www.doverfuelingsolutions.com. Thanks again and we'll see you next month where we continue to fuel the conversation.